Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is over there. I was really sad to wake up to the news of the passing of uh, Richmond Police Officer Sierra Burton passing away. Hammer, you remember five weeks ago, shot in the line of duty. Um, and then it, it had been she had been she had been moved to hospice, taken off life support. She survived for another eighteen days, more than two weeks after being taken off life support. And we thought, hey, wow, maybe, maybe there's a way, maybe there's a chance. But she died with her family uh, surrounding her, and her, I believe, her remains have uh, been transported back to uh, Richmond. There was a motorcade yeah, taking a place motorcade. earlier today, and the man accused of shooting Officer Burton facing multiple charges, including three counts of attempted murder. And now you can probably oh, yeah. assume first-degree murder. murder will be added to that. Uh, a statement from the Richmond Police Department, quote, Members of the Richmond Police Department, along with Sierra's family and friends, would like to express their sincere gratitude for the outpouring of support from the Richmond community and beyond during these difficult times. Governor Holcomb put out a statement, quote, Our hearts are heavy as we grieve alongside Officer Sierra Burton's family, colleagues, loved ones, and the Richmond community she so nobly served. And it goes on and on. Yeah, they, you remember they pulled that guy over, a guy that was known to police, probably shouldn't have been out of jail, but he had been known to police for decades. And he, I think he was on a scooter. They brought in the canines. The, the canine indicated narcotics. And the guy just, I mean, they were sitting there talking to him. All of a sudden, he pulled out a gun and started shooting. Shot her in the head, and like you said, the multiple account, uh, multiple charges of uh, attempted murders because he tried to shoot at other cops as well. And they returned fire. Yeah. Uh, they oh, hit he, him. Yeah, he just got out of hospital. Just got out. Now he's locked up. And man, when I think back at the legacy of Sierra Burton, and I think this is important, she decided to work in law enforcement during a time where it was certainly not the most highly paid job where you were overworked and underpaid. Yeah, I mean, she was only a four-year vet. Right. Yeah, only only a few years into the gig. When officers yeah. are leaving in droves because they don't feel supported by, you know, certain members of the political spectrum, she chose to do her job. She was shot in the line of duty, and, man, she was a fighter. Her body just kept fighting yes. and fighting and fighting, and... You know, we mentioned it last week. Like, you know, I was hoping for a miracle because she had kind of put us in that position where you were hoping that somehow, some way, despite all the, you know, medical evidence that was in front of us, that she was going to find a way to make it through. Unfortunately, she didn't. But what a fighter. What an amazing story. And God bless her family and friends. All right. Let's uh, take a look at what's happening nationally. And if you're checking in nationally, that means you're checking in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. We're going to have economic intercourse. <laughs> you know the you know the thing. You know the thing. Uh, the Bidens are over in the UK right now. They traveled to London over the weekend. Yeah. They're attending the Queen's funeral. They're on their way back. They are now on their way back. But before they went, 
Joe recorded this interview with 60 Minutes. Yeah. And this was clearly a pre-taped thing. They were showing snippets all week to hype it up. And uh, let's go through what some would call the disastrous interview on 60 Minutes. Here is Joe Biden on inflation. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Let's Inflation rate month to month was just a, 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 just an inch. Hardly just a at all. Skosh. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not you me I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my god, it went to 8.2%. It's, been, it's the highest it's, inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. <laughs> but guess what we are? We're in a position where, for the last several months, it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. And in the meantime, we created all these jobs, and, and prices uh, have, have gone up, but they've come down for energy. Created a bunch of jobs that we had to do away with because of our draconian lockdown measures and heavily blue states and some even red states i like how they're still bragging about creating these new jobs you didn't create something that was already there you're bringing the back <laughs> bringing the, the ones back. that you got rid of and i love too there was no spike okay there's just a steady climb yeah. we apologize <laughs> joe you're right there wasn't a huge spike there's just a steady climb of inflation you literally had a party out on the white house lawn uh, celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act, the day the numbers came out and inflation actually increased, along with, uh, you know, imagine you're somebody that's got to decide whether or not to put gas in their car or fill up their grocery cart. Watching the president say, eh, it only went up by a little. Meanwhile, you're paying 12% more for groceries than you were last year. Food is at a 40-year high, and Joe Biden's like, there wasn't a spike, just a steady growth. Okay, uh, here is Joe Biden giving us good news, I guess. The pandemic is over. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody oh. seems to be in pretty good shape. So why is everybody wearing masks at your Head Start program? The Health and Human Services you know, we've talked about this multiple times, kicking off the school year by making ridiculous mandates, putting those in place for toddlers, which we no one no one truly believes toddlers can be masked for more than a few minutes and be anywhere near effective. And plus, on top of that, COVID-19 study after study shows young people, young toddlers aren't at risk for severe disease at all. They don't spread it, much less go to the hospital for it. And he sits there and tells you, hey, not as many people wearing masks. The pandemic's over. Tell that to the 850 teachers and teaching aides that were fired by New York City recently because they failed to get the COVID vaccine by the September 5th deadline. Yeah. If the pandemic to- is over, why do they need the vaccine, Joe? That's 850 people that recently lost their jobs, bringing the total to 1,950 teachers or teachers aides terminated by new york city since the start of the vaccine mandates began that's a big number that's a lot of teachers and by the way uh, biden's department of justice i just thought they're still appealing that federal court ruling that came down from florida that struck down the 
the public transit mask mandate, which was recommended by the CDC, they're still going after that. They're still uh, still appealing that. So if the pandemic's over and he's sitting there bragging about, ah, nobody's wearing a mask, that doesn't bode well for your efforts with the Department of Justice appealing that ridiculous uh, authoritarian, unscientific mandate, you know? It wouldn't be a Joe Biden interview if the White House didn't have to walk something back. (laughs) And this brings us to Joe Biden's thoughts on Taiwan. We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging them being independent. We're not let. That's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an huh? unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House <laughs> official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan, but the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. (laughs) men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. You gotta figure Ron Klain, his chief of staff, is just blowing his stack off camera. <laughs> uh, he's he's he uh, he made the call to sixty minutes. He probably texted Scott Pelley as he was doing the interview. Right. Hey, uh, just so you know, that's 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 not the White House policy. Grandpa hasn't taken his meds. <laughs> he doesn't even know where Taiwan is. I love we're at the point now that the president. The president of the United States says something, and then his staff was like, no, you can't take him seriously. No, no, that's not what he meant. This is where we're at. Um, And this may be my favorite part of the entire 60 Minutes experience. Joe Biden was asked about his mental focus. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. (laughs) I I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. Okay. (laughs) All right. Come on. Somebody break that down for me. What was he trying to... What? What was the... I know being old as I am the fly? I've got the transcript here provided from 60 Minutes. Uh, Kyle, in your best uh, professional broadcaster voice, please read Joe Biden's response when he was asked about his mental focus. Oh, it's focused. Ha ha, ha 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 ha. I'd say it's, I think it's, I I haven't. Look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself in my own head, the number of years. I no more think of myself as being old as I am than fly. Okay. We apologize for asking about your mental issues, Joe. That's on us. Everything seems perfectly fine here. What does that mean, old as I am, than fly? Is he calling himself fly like a pimp? I don't know. I don't understand what that means. Quote, I no more think of myself as being old as I am than fly. (laughs) Kyle, could we have your awesome Joe Biden impression Read that transcript along with Joe. Oh, it's There's focused. a focus. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, said, I think it's, it's I, I, I have it. Look, look I, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying, saying myself in my own head. Number of years. I know I more think of myself as being old as I am fly. Yes. 
Well done, sir. Well done. Very nice. Ladies and gentlemen, TKW, (laughs) Mega Mondo as Joe Biden. Wow. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So, Hammer, am I allowed to mention this text exchange you and I and Rob Kendall had? The one about Boss Hogsett and the Beach Grove Parade? Absolutely. Are we talking about that? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Well, no, I had seen that the Beach Grove, they had the Fall Festival Parade, and it was the homecoming, right? Was it homecoming or just a parade? Just a fall festival, yeah. So I saw, but I saw Cindy Carrasco, who's, who's the Republican running for Marion County prosecutors in the parade. I'd asked you if you, I'd text you, I'd go, hey, did you get a chance to talk to her? Because I didn't know if you were there or not. Uh, and your response was, I wasn't there as I had the TV show. Chris, your son Chris, was in the float for the parade and dot, 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 my dad had a heated back and forth with Hogset. Yes, sir! All in a good day. Let's go! And I wrote back, and Rob's on this text too, no crap. Except I, the S word. We've cleaned it up. And then and then you just wrote back, and you kind of left us hanging. I was stu- now I don't know what happened. You go, Crystal called me, and he said my dad lit his ass up. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to... You've got to tell me what's going on here. I've been waiting for this. So we've got uh, Chris Hammer in studio, El hey Presidente. Man. He was in the parade. You were part of a float that was in the parade, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. So did you get a chance to see the fireworks that uh, Papal had with one boss hog set? <laughs> I did not. Our float was at the end of the parade. It was our class float, uh, but... I believe as soon as the parade was over, the first thing my mom said to me was, it wasn't a good job in the parade or anything like that. It was, your grandpa got a fight with the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So what happens is, like, when Boss Hogsett does these parades, and Chris, you know this, you've Mm -hmm. been to the Indy 500 parade before. He doesn't just ride in the vehicle or whatever or walk alongside of it. He likes to run up, and he's shaking hands and doing that weaselly politician thing. Well, he was getting booed from my house. So... (laughs) So my mom... Imagine that to him, her household was booing on set. My mom, my dad, and the crazy coupon lady were there. Yeah. And, you know, they're giving him thumbs down, and they're booing him. And he runs up, and he starts getting mouthy. It's like, oh, how come you're booing? And at that point, something snapped on old Stone Cold Steve Hammer, and he just lit Hogset up. He asked where he was at the two nights of the riots. He talked about the crime. And then Hogset, you know, snaps back at my dad and says, the crime is going down. To which, and I've never been more proud of my old man, my dad. He snaps back, there's nowhere for it to go but effing down. You're not supposed to set a homicide record every year. And Hogset takes his carcass back away from the house and back out on the parade trail. Out of all the houses. (laughs) Seriously, out of all the houses Hogset could have ran up to. It was the Hammer household. <laughs> right. And the thing is, like, my That's... dad is usually, like, the mild-mannered one. Because God bless my mom. She's a lunatic. Um, <laughs> and you know the crazy coupon lady. Oh, yeah. She's a lunatic, did, too. Did they get this? Did Crystal get this on tape at all? Is it anywhere on? Well, see, this is what I was so upset uh... at. She didn't because she couldn't believe it. 
like again, my dad is pretty mellow. He's a you know a mellow cat. And then Hawkset came up and he's like, nope, 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 not in this homestead. I mean, but my dad is too, and he lives downtown, and he's he's very even keeled. But he has a certain level of disdain for this mayor that is unprecedented. Like I've never seen. Him. Right. And so, let it, the record clearly state: my dad has asked Hogsett where he was the two nights of riots, <laughs> but a lot of these quote media reporters oh, in this city asked. all these little butt sniffers that want to continue to have all their accents access none of them have so hats off to my old man <laughs> and again poor chris comes home from the parade did i do good did the float look great and what was the reaction the first thing my mom said to me after the parade was honey your your grandpa got into a fight with the mayor <laughs> <laughs> all the houses all the houses that he passed <laughs> He he went up to your house. I I, I just I, I can't. Oh my god! I wish I would have been there. Like oh. I can't. I'm not a good booer. Like like I'll have I'll have somebody on and ha- ask him tough questions and debate. But that's a different level right there. You have a different level of gonads to like just. Boo! I, I, I picture like the scene from Princess Bride where <laughs> where boo. And although I wasn't there, again, I was doing the uh, sports betting TV show at the time, I'm going to assume there may have been a Miller Lite or two in the old man's hand. So good for him, man. I was excited. And it was just... It was kind of out of character because we've always yeah. said if anybody's getting arrested in the Hammer House, the hierarchy is my mom, followed by me, <laughs> followed by the crazy coupon lady, followed by my dad. Like my dad would be at the bottom of the list. Oh, I got to party with Mrs. Hammer sometime, dude. She she's the kind of woman where sometimes I'll have to apologize on behalf yeah. of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here crying, man. That is so funny. Oh, oh man, I loved just it. A, just a just a. Mr. Hammer, did he? We had the finger going. It, it was he not flipping him off, the, but pointing at him. The minute Hogsett started running up to our house, and there was like a big hill that takes you up to our house. The old man came out there. There was a finger. There was some fire, and I loved every single minute effort? of it. There was, there was, there was the effort. For I him? believe there was. Again, I mean, oh god. If you're Hogsett, you're thinking of all the houses <laughs> on this parade route. The yeah. one that I chose to walk up to and ask why they're booing. Me. <laughs> the Hammer House. Did, how'd, you, how'd the float do, Chris? Oh, the float went great. We uh, won third prize in the uh, float yeah, right competition. On. School got $100 for it. And that's going to the prom committee, right? It is. You How's your presidency going, by the way? Is everything going well for you? So far, Are you, class well. Are you having to deal with a lot of crap as the president? Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so is everyone else the in the party. world. Right. Yeah. Welcome to the party, Bal. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you. No problem. The Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Rilford. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here also joining us live in studio. The gun guy, Guy Relford, host of the Gun Guy Show, uh, Saturdays here on 93 WIBC, Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor. How are you, sir? I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. And now, check out their new safe room where they're selling quality American-made safes. Check out my buddies at FortLibertyFirearms.com. Of course, uh, Guy Relford also part of the original legal team that brought the Colts 
to uh, yeah. from Baltimore to Indianapolis. So this maybe, is your fault. Then. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. they could hire you again and yeah. send them back. Well, I mean, yeah, and and just and just to be very clear that 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 you know the the commercial team uh, brought the the Colts here, but then there was litigation. And where the city of uh, Baltimore and the state of Maryland were trying to take them back, and I was on that litigation team, and uh, yeah, we ended up prevailing there, yeah. and uh, we kept them here in town. How old were you? I mean, that was a big thing thrown on your lap. You were pretty young, right? Yeah, well, uh, 1984 is when all that unfolded, so I would have been 27. Yeah, two years out of law school. That's a big oh, yeah, deal. Cool. Yeah, well, um, I was a rookie on this. I mean, believe me, whenever I talk to you guys, I grossly exaggerate my involvement. Because <laughs> you know, it makes me feel important. Right. But no, I was a rookie young lawyer. I was a junior guy. I mean, I, I probably did uh, more to like get the senior partner's coffee, you know, than uh, any other real involvement. But five years from now, the story's going to be Guy Rilford was driving the Mayflower yeah, van. No doubt. <laughs> giving a middle finger in the air to the city of Baltimore. Oh, I got to tell you, I was in the office because the the call from Bob Ursay to his new neighbor in Carmel the uh, the uh, president of Mayflower that office that 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 call I should say came from our offices at then Bingham Summers Welsh and Spillman I was I was there when that call was made did they even have a chance to keep the Colts in Baltimore I mean was there even like the team obviously didn't want to be there but you're going to force them to stay that was the well, I think that, the strategy, it's a great question, Naj. I think the strategy was to just tie them up in litigation so long that they just give up and say, screw yeah, it. We, okay. can't, we can't not be in business. We can't not have a season. So, okay, if we got to play in Baltimore, we'll play in Baltimore. Um, but it was, a, it was a great time. I mean, people under, misunderstand that move. And you, you guys and I, it's been several years, but you guys and I have talked about this, where the idea was not that we're going to sneak out in the middle of the night to get away from the Baltimore fans so the fans don't see us leaving. It was because the Maryland legislature was meeting the next day to pass emergency le legislation that would allow the state of Maryland to seize the assets of the Baltimore Colts, including their NFL <laughs> charter, and wow. actually seize those, keep them in Maryland. And because they were going to pass that emergency legislation the next day, the idea was, well, what if there's nothing left in Maryland for them to seize? And that's when the call went from Bobber, say, to the head of, of Mayflower and said, how many trucks can you get to Baltimore tonight? And the guy literally said, hold on, was on the phone for a while, came back and said, 23 said send them so the idea was not to sneak out on the fans or you know the citizens of baltimore it was to get the physical assets of the colts out of the city of america before they seized yeah. them and what would have been turned uh, turned around as unconstitutional at the end of the day but that that they didn't care they just wanted to tie things up in litigation so that so the colts and the city of indianapolis gave up that's a fascinating Sounds, behind the scenes right there. You know that they were so authoritarian there in uh, in Baltimore. That, oh yeah, I mean, that's, well, that, that's that, really that, but that's, that's next level. We're going to seize your assets to make sure you can't go sure. and pass law. I mean, that's crazy. absolutely yeah. And it was under the law of what they call eminent domain. Like you can seize somebody's yard if you're building the highway. That's what they were going to try to do. But they had to expand the Maryland statute to apply to a football team or something like a football team right. or else they, they couldn't have done it. So that's what they were going to do the next So day. that's why it was the middle of the night. Time was a factor. We got to load up. We got to get out. They were going to do it the very next day. And I'll guarantee you there would have been Maryland state troopers right there at the Colts complex seizing those assets if the if the Colts hadn't got the hell out of Dodge. And so that's what was going on. And whenever I see that, you know, every now and then it pops up on ESPN, you know, the Mayflower trucks and the yeah. snow, right. you know, and, and there's like four 
or five Baltimore fans standing at the gate crying, and and they all they always make it look like the Colts were sneaking out of town. That's not what that was about, and I always want to correct that record whenever I have a chance. Guy Relford with us, two uh, A attorney and host of the Gun Guy Show here on ninety three WIBC. I was listening to your program this past weekend, and you brought a subject up that I had never thought about, but I thought was really interesting. So let's say you're getting ready to get on the plane and you're going to fly somewhere. You have checked your luggage. You've checked your firearm. You're going to a state that has the same laws as you're coming from, right? Uh You're going from a two-way place to another friendly two-way place. But what if there's some sort of malfunction with the plane? What if you have to make an emergency <laughs> landing? What if you have some sort of emergency layover in a state that does not have the same type of laws? What can you do with your weapon in regards to the airport? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm knocked out you were listening to my show. I mean, I, that, listen, that, I, I tune I, in. I, that's, yeah. that's high praise. Jason Hammer was listening <laughs> to my show. I, I'm, well, I'm knocked out. That's you and my mom. I know there's two. I, I know <laughs> no, there's at my least old two man. My old man. You met my dad. He's, oh, he yeah. loves you. Yeah, oh, no, no. Me. That's all. Well, no. I mean, in all serious, that's awesome. But, yeah. And this has happened. This is not a hypothetical. And what we're talking about is, okay, and this, here, let me give you a real case. Guy who's a U.S. Marine, uh, retired. Gets on an airplane in Minnesota, and he's going to Pennsylvania. He can legally have his handgun in Minnesota. He can legally have it in Pennsylvania. He gets on the airplane. He's flying down there. He gets a bunch of weather. And so they divert his plane. It's a late-night plane anyway, late-night flight. They divert him to Newark in New Jersey. Oh, boy. And it's and he's, it's a late flight in. They go, hey, there's no more flights out, so we're going to put you up in the Newark airport. They, and they say, oh, and by the way, since we're going to put you up in the Newark airport, in the or airport hotel, we're going to give you your luggage back so you have your toiletries and change of clothes and yada. So everybody gets their luggage. He goes to the airport hotel, comes back the next day. And the process is you have to check your, your you have to declare your unloaded firearm in your check bags. And there's a whole process for doing this. And that's exactly what I was talking about uh, on my show on Saturday. Guy comes in, he, as far as he knows, everything's cool and lawful and he's following all the rules he says i need to declare an unloaded firearm in my check bag in newark there's a cop standing right there and says well i need to see your new jersey license to carry handgun he said well i don't have one of those i'm not from new jersey i'm not I'm from new jersey you're on a layover and new jersey doesn't recognize any other state's license he goes well i have a pennsylvania license and i was in minnesota and i was flying in and i didn't want to be in new jersey i got diverted weather and my airline sent me to new jersey i'm here against my will i don't want to be here <laughs> They arrested him, and they put him in jail. And he was looking at two years in federal prison, excuse me, New Jersey prison, um, because he had a a handgun in New Jersey without a license. This has happened in New York. Uh, It's happened in California. And guess what? When they get confronted, when the authorities, it's the prosecutor's office, the attorney general's office, when they get confronted about how unfair this is, they're proud of it. Places like New Jersey and New York and Connecticut and Maryland and California, they will look you dead in the eye and go, don't bring your damn handgun to New Jersey because we'll put you in jail. And they mean it. And that's exactly the kind of crap we're dealing with on the two-way I front didn't right want now. to be in New Jersey. It's literally listed number 50 on the states that I would prefer to be in right, right now. Exactly. And literally, the, the ra- radical DAs and prosecutors in these places will let repeat violent offenders go yes. without any, right. not even having to pay bail. Meanwhile, a responsible gun owner who got diverted ha- is under threat of being incarcerated for two years. Wow. Yeah. And they're proud of it. And, 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 and So do you just leave your luggage there and just let it rotate on the carousel? What do you do? Well, that's a great question. The answer is, is and I've thought about this because I travel with firearms a lot. I just did it 
what, a week ago, um, and I've done it dozens of times, and that is when you land and they say, well, we're going to give you your bag back since you're stuck in New Jersey or wherever it happens to be, you say, no, thank you. You, you keep my bag, you send it to the baggage office, and for my flight the next day, you put it back right back on the airplane. I'm not touching that bag as long as there's a gun in it. And then you go to the airport gift shop, get yourself some, you know, some mouthwash and some toothpaste, and do the best you can. But, man, that sucks. It has to be that way. Like, you have all the stuff you need for a night. You know, your clothes, your change of clothes, all that kind of stuff. You're doing everything legally by the law that is in your state you get sent somewhere against your will and now you can't even get your luggage out no it's exactly right jason but that's the struggle see when when, when, when there's a law-abiding gun owner is one of the reasons i formed the two-way project as a law-abiding gun owner in several places in this country you're the enemy you're the enemy simply because you're exercising a right that these people despise they wish it was never in the second amendment they wish it was never in the constitution they wish you didn't have that right and they will punish you and, and, and under the full weight of their government and put you in prison simply because you're exercising a right that they despise. And if you don't, I mean, not you, but if people out there don't get that, you're naive because that's exactly the fight we're fighting right now. Got a couple of minutes left here. Do we have any sort of update on this credit card uh, situation where they're tracking gun purchases? We talked about this uh, last week a little bit to where some of these credit card companies are now looking at what you purchase and if it's anything firearms related they're going full big brother on you yeah there's a new code now where if you buy something anything could be ammunition could be a, a t-shirt you buy something at a gun store that's getting a, a, a code assigned to it that tells the credit card company that you bought whatever it is and spent x amount of money at a gun store and what 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 really in talking to some gun store owners see we've had a, a long ongoing and you guys and i have talked about this We've had an ongoing problem with credit card companies and banks and financial institutions uh, discriminating against the gun-related industry. In other words, you're a gun store. I've had it happen to me as an instructor or a guy selling a book on gun safety. Right? I, wrote, I, I, I sell gun safety and cleaning for dummies. I've had credit card companies refuse to process my credit card transactions because wow. they're going, oh, that promotes gun violence. It's a book on gun safety, <laughs> It's a gun moron. safety book. What are you talking about? <laughs> but guns, and, and what we really think this is is leading up to an effort by the credit card industry, at least some of them, to say if that code comes across on the approval process, Process, right? When you put your credit card in, it goes in, it gets declined or it gets approved. They're going to say gun store declined. And it's going to have a major impact on gun stores. Any business today, any I don't care if you're a restaurant, you know, or a retail store or a gun shop, how are you going to survive if you can't take credit and debit cards? And I think that's the end game here. I think the credit card industry in conjunction with uh, anti-2A advocates out there, including politicians, are going to eventually use this system to simply decline to take credit card payments from gun stores or to gun stores to try to put them out of business. That's the backdoor attack on the Second Amendment that we're looking at right now. If anybody has any questions for you or they want to have you address something on your show, how do they do that? Uh, best way is relfordlaw.com. Just go to relfordlaw.com. All my contact information is right there, and uh, we'll take care of you. Guy, thank you. Always pl a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we've got some legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. It's a Kentucky prosecutor was suspended for... Offering to help out a defendant in exchange for nudes. Oh, well, that took a turn. So this this 
this chick claims that she exchanged more than 230 pages of Facebook private messages with this prosecutor in Eastern Kentucky. His name's Ronnie Goldie. Ronnie Goldie Ronnie, sounds Ronnie like the name Goldie. of a dude who would exchange legal help for nudes. <laughs> he withdrew warrants and put cases, in, you know, and continued cases in exchange for nude photos from this lady. And uh, he did not deny it. He said he didn't remember sending the messages, but he didn't deny it. And so he's <laughs> suspended. I mean, first of all, nudes? You're going risk to your, risk your whole career on nudes? Right. I mean, maybe just up the ante just a little bit if you're going to... Maybe just uh, some actual contact. Right, a little hookup. Uh, that it, yeah. I mean, I mean you're going to actually risk your entire... I mean, and this guy, you know what this guy's deal is. He's probably a dork in school, couldn't get anybody's attention, and now he never, never once had anybody uh, of the female persuasion look his direction. But now that he's in a position of power, guess what? Right. Now, uh, now I am the captain. I have the pet. You send me nudes. Like, it's, it's just like... I, I can tell you exactly... The circumstances, not even knowing them. Speaking in a roundabout way of nudes, and <laughs> maybe it should have been a lewd nude dude in the news. So I walked out on Monument Circle today, and I usually take a couple laps around the circle just to get the blood pumping yeah, before the man. show. Yeah. First of all, today was one of the most disheartening walks around the circle. Like, there's always going to be homeless people. I've I've accepted that. But now they're just passed out, like arms and legs all sprawled out nice all day. over the circle. I mean, it looks like you're walking through Jonestown over there, man. <laughs> it looked bad. I mean, there's trash in certain spots. I counted 11 today, 11 homeless folks around Monument Circle. Now, outside of our building, though, there are these chairs that were put there by some group. I don't know who put them there, but... Sometimes there's checkerboards and sometimes there's cornhole, shuffleboard, yeah. shuffleboard, things like that. There are these chairs. Well, the minute those chairs come out, boom, here come the homeless folks. They the want to sit in these chairs. It's straight lounging for the bums. There was one gentleman who was uh, propped up on a chair with his hand in his pants. No. Treating his body like an amusement park. <laughs> Did you happen to get that on film? I did not. Uh, the police had to come. There were two officers that unfortunately had to go up and tell this guy, sir, you can't do that here. We need you to move on. So that's that's what's happening here on Monument Circle, Wonderful. Nige. Okay. Um, coming up next, man, Marion County Prosecutor Forum. It's tomorrow. If you don't know what that is, we're going to reset what the Prosecutor Forum is and some of the questions that have been submitted by the public. We've got that. We've got an update on Joe Biden saying, I will never build another inch of that border wall. We have an update on that and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Amber, we, didn't we talk to one of the organizers for this Marion County Prosecutor Forum? Yes. Tomorrow? That's happening, uh, I believe, in Castleton, the Castleton United Methodist Church. And it's presented by the North Shadeland Alliance. And they do this kind of thing periodically where they have candidates come in. And it's not necessarily a debate. It's kind of like a town hall. There's a moderator there that's going to be asking questions. But if you want to be there to see how 
Ryan Mears or Cindy Carrasco, your prosecution candidates here from Marion County, uh, answer these questions. It's free to attend. So they're both going to be there. Yes. Tomorrow uh, begins at 630. Again, the Castleton United Methodist Church. I would love for a bunch of Hammer and Nigel show listeners to go to that thing, watch it, report, and come back to us yeah. just to see what was said. Be respectful. Be respectful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, no. I would love to have you guys go check it out, report back to us, because we're going to be on the air here. No booing like uh, Jason Hammer's dad did to the mayor during the Beach Grove uh, parade. Screw no. that. <laughs> Boo all you want. No, I don't think they want that at this Boo order. away if that's what you're into. So the event organizers <laughs> sent me this last night. They said that uh, since they came on our show, they had over 150 different questions submitted by the community. Some of them were marked as high priority. Now, the moderator for this event tomorrow is Jill Sheridan. She's a local broadcaster. I think she works at uh, WFYI or something like that. She is going to be the moderator here. So it's kind of up to her to get these questions in. But these were the things that were submitted by the North Shadeland Alliance. These are some of the topics that they would like to have addressed tomorrow. The FOP's no confidence vote against Ryan Mears experience and prior experience, Ryan Mears' refusal to prosecute, low bond slash revolving door, abortion, sentencing, and the partnership between the prosecutor and judges in Marion County. And then this one was kind of all lumped together. Poverty crimes, second chance, and alternative to jail time. Okay. Those were all the things that the community submitted for this prosecutor's forum. And again, I would love if you guys could go, you know, let us know what's going on, interact with us on social media, or call the show the next day. You know, we're easy to find here, Nigel. We're on social media at Hammer and Nigel. I think our email is up on the website as well. Yeah, I'd like to find out, you know, Mir's refusal to prosecute, not only um, not only violent criminals, letting them back out, and uh, they go on to commit more crimes, but he's also gone on the record and said, look, I'm not prosecuting marijuana crimes. I'm not going to prosecute uh, crimes involving doctors and abortion now that most abortions are illegal. I'm not, just not going to do it. And I, I, my point is, you, you, that's not your choice. You can't just unilaterally decide which which crimes you are and aren't going to prosecute if a law is broken then you have to look at that i'm all for prosecutorial discretion that's one thing but just right arbitrarily say now nah, i'm not I'm, there's certain crimes i'm not going to prosecute is is something else totally different and the mayor's campaign is trying to spin it as people like the fop or their opponent, Cindy Carrasco, the Republican, they want everybody to be locked away for the rest of their life. Doesn't matter what they've done. Yeah, well, that's not the case at all. It's disingenuous. That's totally yeah, yeah. disingenuous. If you have a victimless crime, you should not be locked away for the rest of your life. Of course not. But if you're somebody that, oh, I don't know, has beaten a woman with a hammer, yeah. maybe you shouldn't be right back out on the streets and then killing said woman. And yes, that is a thing that's happened recently here in Marion County. Uh, that was the situation with the daycare woman that was killed in front of children leaving a daycare, I believe it was on Friday morning. This woman was killed, we believe, by the same guy that viciously and savagely beat her, but was given a sweetheart deal, got back out, and finished the job. 
So if you guys want to go and check this out, please let us know if you're going. Uh, send us your contact info, and maybe we can have you report back on the show. You guys can kind of be our eyes, ears, and reporters. But it's free to attend the Castleton United Methodist Church tomorrow. It starts at 630, and it's presented by the North Shadeland Alliance. So, Nige, let's jump in the hot tub time machine, shall we? Sure, let's go. Do I have to wear pants? Oh, why start now? <laughs> uh, let's go back to the campaign of 2020 when Joe Biden said this. No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration, number one. Oh. That's, that's a pretty a... strong statement, right? No more walls. Walls are racist. Walls are bad. Come on in, everybody. We're not putting up any more walls at all dateline washington dc border wall construction resumes under president joe biden yeah the resumed operations will range from repairing gates and roads to filling gaps in the wall that were left following the pause on construction that the biden administration initiated in january of 2021 yeah again that's that's the story right there he's beginning to he put a pause on all that stuff and now he's turning around and saying eh, yeah i better it looks like maybe that was the wrong decision he'll never say it out loud but he's getting killed over the border he's getting pummeled the biden administration you know two million uh, illegals this year so far uh, fentanyl just flowing through the free flow of human trafficking and fentanyl is is out of control and so biden puts a stop to construction in january of 2021 he puts a stop to all that and then you have and then he's like now yeah quietly quite very quietly right he's starting again on this thing i'm not you know i'm not complaining about it but she's the one you're the one that paused it in the first place Right. Like, you went out of your way to campaign on the fact that you weren't going to build one more inch of this wall. And now, because you're having your ass handed to you about what's happening at the border, now very quietly with just this very soft press release that goes out, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing some more with the wall. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, this is a business owner from Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, Eagle Pass is a town that is right there on the border. They have seen a major uptick, not only in crossings, but crime as well. So if you're wondering what it's like to try to run a business at the border, take a listen to this. It, it just feels like we're completely overrun and we've lost control of everything. At least I know that, that, that here it's, you're helpless. You're helpless. And, and those people that say that we don't have a problem, you come live in Eagle Pass for a few weeks and you'll see it. And you'll understand how awful and insecure it feels. I've been a member of the community for over 50 years. I'm a second generation owner to a barbecue business in town that it's called the Wagon Wheel. We are off the main highway. I also have a property as well that's been in the family for over 26 years. And I've just not only has my business been broken into and ran ransacked, it's just the insecurity now, you know, you don't feel safe at home anymore. I worked alongside my father um, for 19 years. One break-in in 25 years. From February to now, I've had five. Unbelievable. And you hear story after story like this coming from the border. Yeah, look at Del Rio, Texas. They got a population of about 35,000 people. 
and they had thousands coming in illegally every week. And then you've got Martha's Vineyard complaining about 50. Uh, yeah, or D.C. Uh, complaining uh, about a few hundred. The mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, again, she's the one in charge of this sanctuary city. They embrace being a sanctuary city. Here she is speaking this past weekend. We're not a border town. We don't have an infrastructure uh, to handle uh, this this type of and a level of immigration to our city. But we will will create a new normal here in our infrastructure and have a, a humane welcome for people and an efficient um, you know service provision. But we we don't have the ability. We're not Texas. Here's here's a question: If you don't have the infrastructure, whose fault is that? Because you rolled out the red carpet for illegal aliens back in 2018 when you proudly uh, announced that you were a sanctuary city. Right. You didn't do one damn thing to prepare for something like this? No, because she thought it would only be red states at the border that would have to deal with it. Everybody's Billy Badass when it comes to immigration unless you have to deal with immigration. And Chicago's mayor, Beetlejuice, Lori Lightfoot, <laughs> she's the exact same way. We're not going to put take our foot off the gas to say that we need a comprehensive plan from the federal government. And again, we all know what the, the reality is. This is a national problem. It needs a national solution. Um, and we, as cities and states, cannot be left uh, to fend to ourselves. Yeah, well, like I said, you uh, extended your hand to these people and now you don't have a plan or for infrastructure and i haven't heard any of these guys any of these democrat mayors uh anybody at martha's vineyard mention biden's border policy at all does that make sense right like, it's all well we don't have the infrastructure this is racist ron DeSantis is uh human trafficking maybe get to the core of the problem right maybe bring up the fact that biden's border policy isn't working and we've seen this, too, whether it's Martha's Vineyard, Chicago, or D.C., the moment that those folks arrive, oh, yeah. hot damn, you're going on another bus and you're going to the suburbs. You're out of here. They don't want to be there. These mayors of sanctuary cities, they want no part of these people being there. Total hypocrites. Ever and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is. This anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run some stories by you. You break down all of the information, and then you tell us if the story in question is anything or not. Is this anything? A Long Island woman was surprised by her lost cat when it showed up at her door and activated the doorbell camera. Uh. Here is the eight-year-old cat, Lily activating the doorbell, meowing, and then the owner going out to get her. Now, keep in mind, the cat had been missing for about four days. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's something. I don't know how animals do it. I mean, I, I, like you always hear those stories about how Cats go missing for like a year, and then they wind up just wandering around the front yard one day. Dogs, too. Dogs could go, like, you hear these crazy stories about how dogs, like, go missing for two years, and then somebody will find them, or they'll wander back into the property, or they got lost maybe on a trip, and they walked all the way back, crossed state lines. I don't get it. Uh, my cats have 
gotten out before they're house cats, right? They don't have their front claws. So if they got into a fight with another animal, they'd be done. So we try to keep them inside. But they've escaped before, and they usually just head for underneath our back deck. And I, there's no way we can get them. So I just set food out there, and eventually they come back. Right. But they don't go out into the, the woods or the ravine or the creek or anything that's out behind our house. But I don't get it, man. I don't know how they do it. So like the, the question instinct. you asked at the beginning of this segment was, I don't know how animals do it. Kyle, I want you to go into Google right now and type in how do animals do it and see if you can report <laughs> back to Nigel. <laughs> Just tell me what pops up on the search engine because we're on a quest for knowledge here, right? Okay. Anything, Kyle? Uh, there's an imdb.com TV series, How Do Animals Do That? <laughs> okay. That's the first thing that popped up. Do an image search. Let's oh, see boy. if maybe some images can help us. Here we oh, go. no, turn that off. <laughs> no, 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 get it's out of that. A, it's not too bad. This is a new server. It's a new company. Get out of that screen right now, please. <laughs> How do animals do it? Uh, okay. Is this anything? A New York City man was arrested after being caught on camera smashing the inside of a McDonald's with an axe. Oh, yeah, I saw this. After his romantic advances were rejected by a woman. Oh, this guy's psycho. This is the moment he started smashing the tables and windows and physically assaulting the group of people the woman was with. So I keep my knife on me all the time, man. Never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. So I didn't see the whole thing, but it's the video starts with like four guys, like all beating the crap out of him, the axe wielder, before he got his axe out. Right. Because, I, yeah, I don't know what he was doing to some chick at McDonald's. And then, like, they were all, and the, none of the blows that these guys were raining down upon the axe wielder were working. He was just sitting there, yeah, 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 yeah. It was Maybe like when was, you watch wrestling, you know, yeah. like everybody's getting punched, but nobody's getting <laughs> yeah. hurt. By the way, he's already out of jail, by the way. Of course, he got right back out of jail. Um, and he, he, very calmly, after those guys start, you know, stop punching him in the face, very calmly sets his backpack down very slowly breaks out an axe and all those guys that were beating on him were like whoa bro hey 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 oh oh hold on (laughs) and he just starts destroying the entire restaurant welcome to new york city everybody by the way i think and i just said the guy's out of jail and he's quote uh said quote my intentions were not to hurt anyone hmm speak softly and always carry a big axe (laughs) got it he said I think he's an Uber driver or something like that. And he goes, I'm always out there on the road, so I'm actually getting into it with drivers, which is what the tomahawk is for. Good Lord. (laughs) Some people carry a gun. Some people carry a tomahawk. I might be more afraid of the tomahawk guy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. He was, uh, let's see, arraigned on charges of criminal mischief, weapons possession, was released without bail. Uh, of course, because neither of the charges were eligible for bail under the state's, you know, bail reform laws. So this guy did he get his tomahawk back? I don't know. I don't have the I don't have the update on the tomahawk. But it was just so funny how these guys were beating the crap out of him, probably deservedly so. And he just very calmly set his backpack down, very slowly pulled the tomahawk, showed it to everybody, and just started destroying the entire <laughs> place. I want to know if he got it back or not. 
that kind of reminds me of the old Norm McDonald joke where he's talking about OJ and whether he got his hat back from the police. <laughs> hey, that's my lucky stabbing hat. That's my McDonald's axe. Can I get that back? Yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Gates McGavick, RNC Strategic Comms Director. Gates, any number of uh, places we could start here. Let's let's start with the president's first on-camera interview uh, with an American press outlet in months. A 60 minutes seemed like he was pretty out of touch in denial he was he was annoyed when when Pelly was asking about inflation your overall uh, thoughts on uh, the president I, I I think even his own people would say sort of a disastrous interview uh, last night on 60 minutes yeah agreed I mean this is why they don't let him on camera like <laughs> ever right because when, when he goes on camera it goes it goes so badly. He sounded totally out of touch. Um, he was getting asked about inflation, and he sounded angry about it. It's like he's never considered the impact that inflation has on American families, which, as we know, is is severe. Everything is more expensive in Biden's America. He also went ahead. I was interested in this part. He, he said that COVID uh, is now over, yeah. which thank you for catching on to where everyone else has been. Um, but that means that right now, all of the COVID emergency powers should be gone. No more vaccine mandates of any kind. In September, the White House asked Congress for $22 billion in COVID money. That should not happen. I mean, we're, we're clearly seeing that uh, Biden's finally catching up to where the rest of the country is, and Democrats need to put aside their, quote, emergency COVID powers right away. And Gates, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this whole rollout of paying off student debt was made possible because he extended the COVID emergency. And the way that that works, as long as emergency exists, the president has these executive powers post 9-11 to do things like this. But he goes on camera last night and says the pandemic's over. So what do we go from here? Like, is the student loan program going to happen? Is this still in play? Is it dead? What happens next? Well, I can't speak from a legal perspective as to what happens with the student loan bailout. I think the bigger issue is that he even did it in the first place, right? Yeah. Making blue-collar Americans pay for the next generation of Ivy League lawyers is totally backwards, and it's terrible politics. It, it doesn't play well with the American people. I think what this means really is that you know Democrats use COVID time after time to pass stuff that they wanted. I mean, if you look at how they handled election integrity in the last cycle, they used COVID as a pretext to, pretext to do mass mail-in balloting. They used COVID to shut down schools, which damaged our kids in ways that we still don't fully understand. And, yeah, they used COVID as a pretext, uh, as a mechanism to force through the student loan bailout. So for Joe Biden to go on TV and say it's over, it really undermines Democrats' entire policy. Yeah, it undermines. Aren't they still yeah. doing the, the the Department of Justice is still appealing the federal court ruling in Florida that struck down the 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 public right. transit mandate? I, I mean, for God's sake, they're still doing that. And then a few months later, he's he's on camera saying, yeah, look, nobody's even wearing masks. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, I think he just made like, a lot of Republican lawyers really happy. Yeah. Honestly, by saying that. Um, and, you know, it's yeah, it's it just means that 
there are still places where vaccine mandates are a thing that can't be the case anymore. Um, you know, this kind of this way Democrats have tried to make unvaccinated Americans tried to make their lives a living hell that clearly doesn't hold any water anymore because the pandemic, in the president's words, is over. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't really. Um, he doesn't have a coherent messaging strategy. He can't stay on topic because Democrats don't have a record to talk about. I mean, if I had presided over insane historic inflation and a record-breaking crime wave and this education crisis with our kids, I mean, I wouldn't know what to say either. Like, he doesn't have anything to talk about, and that's when, why when he does Gates McGavick and uh, calls Americans fascists. Gates is with us. He's the RNC Strategic Communications Director. Uh, one more thing here on this speech from Biden that aired on 60 Minutes. This was a pre-recorded deal. This wasn't like it was live and he froze in the moment. They had time to prep him for this. They had time to do things the right way. But even during the 60 Minutes interview, the White House had to walk things back that Crazy Joe was talking about. And this takes us to Taiwan. Joe Biden says that the United States would get involved militarily if something were to happen in Taiwan. In the same interview, the White House basically says, don't pay attention to the president of the United States. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to two things. Number one, the Biden administration doesn't have a real foreign policy. You know, President Trump was always very clear about his foreign policy and what would happen if countries stepped out of line. And there was never any, you know, you knew what you were getting with President Trump. Clearly, the Biden White House doesn't have the same the same coherent strategy. And here's the problem. Joe Biden has no credibility when he talks about being tough on China. He has not held China accountable whatsoever for clearly allowing COVID-19 to escape China, then covering it up. Of course, he is at some personal risk. He shared a bank account with Hunter Biden while Hunter Biden was laundering money with Chinese oligarchs. And, you know, the Afghanistan withdrawal was such a disaster, such a tragedy. Immediately after that, China started moving in and strengthening their ties with the Taliban. And, of course, they are getting more aggressive towards Taiwan. So what you've seen with with Biden and China has been a total lack of strength, a total lack of consistency. And so I'm not surprised that he had to walk back yet another comment about China and Taiwan. Oh, he's had to walk back several different things. China, Taiwan, uh, the, the comments about Russia and Putin. It's it's just nonstop walkbacks after Biden says something stupid. One of the other things I thought was pretty curious about that interview last night was that he didn't he didn't commit again to running in 2024. He said it's his intention. Now, I, I think there's some FEC rules or something like that that you have to follow before you get officially announced. But, I, I mean, what do you think? Is this guy – I mean, there's no way he's running in 2024 again, is he? God, you know, I'm, who know, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I think I've said this on this program. If I knew what Joe Biden was thinking, <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't be working, like, long hours. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, regardless, we're very focused on midterms, right? Talking about 2024 right. before we talk about 22, it's kind of like – talk about the Super Bowl before you even like have a winning record in the regular season. And at the end of the day, regardless of what Joe Biden says or doesn't say about 24, we have to make sure that we're getting out the vote right now to make sure that regardless of what Democrat runs in 24, we have a Republican House and a Republican Senate who can hold Democrats accountable going into that election. That's the thing that we're laser focused on at the RNC. Gates, speaking of the midterm here, um, what are we hearing from some of these key battleground states? Uh, let's start with the Senate here, Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, some of the key states involved here. It seems like every week you look at a poll, something says something different. Where are we at? 
I think to a certain extent, um, a lot of polling leans so left. You know, if a Republican's down five in a poll, it probably means they're even. And just the past few years have totally proven that. Um, I do think we're seeing positive trends over the past few weeks, and it's because Democrats are starting to get exposed for their records. I mean, you look at a guy like John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, who has, you know, wants to let one third of prisoners out of prison. He enthusiastically voted to give clemency to murderers in Pennsylvania. Um, he clearly is, you know, he doesn't do a lot of stuff with the media. He's not out in front, not front and center like Dr. Oz is every day. You look at Georgia, same story. Warnock is very soft on crime. And as an incumbent, he's voted with Biden more than 95% of the time. Let me tell you, Biden is very unpopular in Georgia. The polls are very clear about that. Um, so the fact that Warnock thinks he can get reelected by just being a rubber stamp for Biden makes no sense. And then you have, I mean, look at these candidates, Dr. Oz and Herschel. Sure, the media loves attacking them, but at the end of the day, these are celebrated, you know, celebrated outsider Americans. They're not politicians. They both led long careers being totally beloved on the national stage, and now they've decided that you know they want to get involved in the political arena. That's a very winning formula. Those are the candidates we love to see, and I think we're feeling really good about Georgia and Pennsylvania. Gates McGavick, RNC Strategic Communications Director. Gates, as always, we appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. I was thinking, I know you you saw the guy out front of our building sitting there, again, treating his body like an amusement park hammer. But when you're homeless and you get the urge, there's really no place you can go that's private. A back alley. I mean, something other than one of the reclining chairs. (laughs) Maybe you're right. In front of the MS Communications building. (laughs) I mean, just like looking at people doing it, like just come on, man. That's creepy. And so the police didn't arrest him? You can't arrest somebody? I mean, they just told him, dude, stop that and get out of here. <laughs> and they made him, you know, do that kind of walk of shame, shuffling with his dirty oh, sweatpants down was, the street. There was no shame involved. He's just going to go find a more private place to keep going. Right. Until he finishes the job. And I'm telling you, this is the kind of stuff that you see all too often on Monument Circle. What should be the crown jewel of this city of Indianapolis, man, where people go out there and have lunch and get together and have business meetings. Unfortunately, you've got to walk around bums passed out around the circle. People camped out underneath the theater awnings and guys... You know, paying tribute to the Yankees and Buddy Whackett under the uh, awning of MS Communications. Well, you know how I feel about the homeless. They're human beings, and they have no home. <laughs> that is very true. What is that from? It's a dirty work, I believe. Thank you. Uh, Mondo, let's play a round of Is It Racist? Can we do that? Oh, it's time to play Is It Racist? Now, for those who may be new to the Hammer and Nigel show, here to explain how we play Is It Racist, Socialist Sweetheart AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? (laughs) All right, Nige, I want you to take all the notes you want here because you're going to be the one making the decision. I'm the decider here. This this pasty white guy is going to decide what's racist. Okay. Dateline Portland. The Portland Art Festival had an event yesterday that was free for black people to attend, but anybody else was charged 80 bucks a ticket. Is it Mm. racist? Yeah, I'd say that's racist. 
you're giving preferential treatment to one community uh, of uh, or one ethnicity over another. Hey, sorry, Whitey, <laughs> you got to pay the full eighty, but uh, this other guy gets to come in for free. I don't know. I mean, how does that work? I mean, it's like is it discrimination or is it if you're a private entity? Uh, this is some sort of private. First of all, Portland's a mess. It's it's an open air drug market. I don't know. I could imagine what this art festival looked like. But if it's a private thing, you can charge and not charge whoever you want, right? I mean, but unless you violate some, you know, I mean, you're still letting them in. Like, so in other words, if you didn't let a white person in the event, yeah, that's definitely racist. That's discrimination. But if you're just charging. I don't know how it works. The price of admission varies on your skin color. Yes, it's racist. (laughs) Come on. It's absolutely racist. I'm sorry, school, sir. You're not the right skin color. You have to pay 80 bucks. What if you tried to outwoke Portland and you beat him at your own game (laughs) and you walk up and you tell him I identify as a black man? Yeah, right. Yeah, Rachel Dolezal or whatever her name is. Who's uh, Talcum X that always... Yeah, that guy. Sean King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you're Sean King? Did they charge him 80 bucks when he was going through there? I don't know. What if you have uh, an African-American father and a white mother? Right. That's... Do you pay half? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to... You know what? Uh, We're going to charge you $40. We'll... uh, We're going to meet you in the middle here. (laughs) I mean, yes, if your ticket price depends on your skin color... Yes, that's absolutely racist, but that's just my opinion. Do not go anywhere. We got the top stories of the day coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, really sad to wake up to the news of uh, police officer. Sierra Burton losing her battle. She's a Richmond police officer who was killed um, while she was shot uh, probably five weeks ago. About five weeks ago, yeah. Five weeks ago, shot in the line of duty. Um, They took her off life support 18 days ago, but still managed to um, survive in hospice. Unfortunately, uh, losing her battle. It was an epic battle, a struggle to stay alive, and she is uh, back home right now. She, She passed away last night. And, man, what an amazing, courageous fight to the very end, right? That's what I want the legacy of Officer Burton to be. Um, You know, even when the odds are stacked against her and the doctors say there's no way you're going to survive this, for 18 days off of life support, her body just kept putting up a fight. And, unfortunately, last night that fight came to an end. Um, And her assailant is out of the hospital he is now in police custody because he was shot at from the other officers. Well, he was charged with multiple uh, attempts of murder for not only shooting Officer Burton, but shooting at multiple officers. She was the only one that he managed to hit. And uh, now, of course, there's going to be murder one. Right. Char- uh, hopefully, some some sort of charge. And I hope the to- death penalty comes along with yeah, it. I do. To. It's got to. And I hope it's a death penalty that actually has some substance behind it yeah but you know if that happens then there's not he won't be dead for decades i probably won't be alive by the time this scumbag ever gets through the legal system and makes his meets his maker and that's unfortunate um 
So Joe Biden did this interview on 60 Minutes. It's been a train wreck. It was a complete debacle. We've been talking about it all afternoon. But the one clip that we haven't brought to the conversation yet is when Joe Biden's talking about how we need to stop with all these personal attacks and politics. That's that's all that it's come to be these days. What we do today, think about it. It's all personal attacks. It's about motive. It's not about I disagree on the, on the subject matter. Didn't he personally attack 75 million Trump voters? I think he did so just two weeks ago. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together we can choose a different path. That's the great uniter right there, Nige. That's Joe Biden trying to bring America together. And in 60 Minutes interview, he says, man, politics, it's, it's just become personal attacks. We need to stop. Keep in mind, this old geezer's been doing this his entire life. Remember this potential voter in Iowa? But look, fat, look, here's the deal. <laughs> he called look, him fat. Look, fat. Look, fat, here's the deal. Look, look, look fat, look, here's the deal. Well, that one chick called her a dog-faced pony soldier or something like that? Right. And and forget about the fact that uh, the, the Democrats and mainstream corporate media was calling Donald Trump basically Hitler for four years, invoking not, you know, Trump voters are Nazis. Uh, so now all of a sudden Joe, Joe Biden saying, oh, hey, everybody, we need to stop the name calling. Right. I can guarantee Trump finally... Uh, drops the hammer and tells everybody he's running, it's going to be right back to square one. And on the subject of running, is Joe Biden going to run? Because now he's kind of wavering, it sounds like. This story from therap.com, which I don't even know what this is, therap.com, W-R-A-P, they claim they've got an exclusive from Gavin Newsom, and the headline reads, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, is unequivocally running for president in 2024 if Joe Biden doesn't. Good luck with that. Rolling blackouts I mean, and how, yeah, imagine the the really just the gaslighting and the gonads you have to have to say, "Hey, I'm running for president. I can't get my uh, I can't get my constituents water. I can't uh, get them electricity." Where, uh, but I'm going to run in 2024. Uh, forget about the fact that you're going to be running against Kamala Harris, a rich, privileged white male in the party of identity politics, right. is going to be running against uh, a woman of color, Kamala Harris, vice president, who checks off a lot of boxes. The entire reason she was picked for that role is because she checked off a lot of boxes. Does it matter that she's incompetent and bad at her job? Well, you got to remember, too, she she called basically all but called Joe Biden racist on those debate stages, said he believed her, uh, he, he she believed his accuser, um, Tara Reid. I mean, you read some of the transcripts of what is alleged to have happened between that woman and Joe Biden. It was nothing we could talk about freely on the air even if it was in the context of a news story right and then all of a sudden she sells out and is now working for the guy so woke politics are going to be yep. in play if oh, joe yeah. biden doesn't run because it feels like gavin newsom is probably the better candidate than kamala harris but kamala is a woman kamala has color kamala has been the vice president before so you're gonna have a good old-fashioned in-state california showdown and even though kamala harris 
finished at the bottom of the barrel of the Democrat primary oh, the yeah. last time around. Is Gavin Newsom going to go against her? I mean, he's a white man from California. Where's going to be all the privilege talk? He's got a lot of money. Oh, this is going to be beautiful watching them eat their own. But the Hammer and Nigel show, we've got our sources. Oh. Gavin Newsom already has his campaign ad. He's ready to roll it out. Really? He's just waiting for Joe Biden to give him the word. I pulled some strings. I've got a copy of it. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Yeah, hit me. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Dictator Ron DeSantis incredibly lets you walk around without masks. That tyrant allows your kids to go to school during the pandemic, <laughs> year two or four, or who the hell knows. I urge you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we'll take the money you earn and give it to people who don't work. Nice. This is San Francisco, where you can walk through human feces. If you're lucky, <laughs> you might step on a syringe. Check out Los Angeles, where gas is so expensive, your kids only need to skip a meal or two or ten to afford it. California, <laughs> where freedom means lockdowns for you, while I go to the places you can't afford. Don't let them take your freedom. Come to California, where we'll take it, along with your money. Gavin Newsom, courage through crisis. It's hilarious. Well, it's quite a, a campaign ad. That's uh, really stirring, really moving. Um, Queen of England's funeral today. Listen, I admit, I do not know much about what goes on when bodies pass away. I do not work in a funeral home. I know we've got some folks that listen to this program that do. But, man, when does that embalming stuff wear off? Because the queen's been out there for a while now. Like, this is, what, like day 11 or 12 of carting her around? I don't know if my boss – our boss David said that uh, she's been encased in lead. So, in other words, whatever whatever Like Han Solo? Whatever uh, – that's carbonite. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, That'd be awesome. You remember Superman, the only thing he couldn't see through was lead. So, maybe that was to keep some of the – yeah, I, I, I don't know. So we're done though. She didn't. She didn't make a tour through the United States. She just kept it over there in Europe. Yeah, it's not a world tour. Okay, it was just a long, long funeral process. And uh, Prince Charles is the guy now. Is it in poor taste if we call our coverage of what's happening in England Charles in charge? Because <laughs> technically he is. Great show. Right. I have a statement from Joe Biden who just got back from uh, the Queen's funeral. Quote, no matter how silly the idea of having a queen might be to us, as Americans, we must be gracious and considerate. Is that Joe Biden or was that Frank Drebin? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. It's the same person. Uh, David Beckham. Frank Drebin's heads and tails smarter than, uh, smarter than Joe Biden. Right. Enrico Palazzo is smarter than Joe Biden. Uh, David Beckham, soccer star from England. Uh, He's married to, like, the hot Spice Girl. Uh, Stood in line for 13 hours with other mourners to pay respect to Queen Elizabeth. Here are a couple of his uh, exiting comments on why it was important for him and his family to stand in line for 13 hours. I grew up in a family that were all royalists, and today I think back to my grandparents because if my grandparents were alive, they would have been here. So it's nice to be here to celebrate with everybody, you know, the the life of Her Majesty and, and the legacy that she's left. 
lucky as a nation to have someone that has led us the way Her Majesty has led us with kindness, with caring and always reassurance. Her Majesty was someone special and will be missed not just by everyone in our country but everyone around the world. I was wondering like, uh, like, like they do the bathrooms and restaurants and was there vendors out there? I was at a birthday party over the weekend, Saturday night and uh, happy birthday Sally and her husband Ian uh, who's from, who's English is from from that he said it's got it, it he said he knew people that, like it's very streamlined so even though you had to wait in line for a long time to view the queen's casket or while she you know lied in state there's porta potties everywhere there's vendors like people were holding each other's places in line and they had to go to the bathroom and stuff like that it was very um he used the word streamlined so it's kind of like going to Chick-fil-A. It yeah, it wasn't yeah. <laughs> they had that's what they did. They had they brought management from uh Chick-fil-A over to uh to process the Queen's funeral. Sure. I don't get that line moving pretty quickly. Yeah. You'll get there and you think, oh man, look at this line. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're looking at the Queen. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. 93 WIPC. Going to talk a lot about that Colts game here coming up at the bottom of the hour with Kevin Bowen. Do we have to? Oh uh, yeah, because I, I really, I, I really like to know if if this is just um, is it all coaching? Is this actually a bad team? The expectations were very high for this team. One more thing I did want to say about the sixty minutes piece about Joe Biden. Uh, it's just a total puff piece, total softball. I mean, maybe Pelly pushed back on him with inflation, and that was about it. But they lost all credibility for me. Like, I haven't watched an episode of 60 Minutes since last night. Before that, they, the completely false and biased hit job they did on Governor DeSantis, if you remember last spring, Hammer, the whole pay-for-play with the vaccines and public grocery stores. And then they also, <laughs> this is bewildering to me, they tried to smear him and paint him as in some sort of evil governor that gave preferential treatment to at risk senior citizens over teachers it, it was just shameful biased reporting and it uh, actually kind of shocked me that that came from 60 minutes i haven't watched it since and it was then. debunked quickly and Absolutely. immediately yeah and and 60 minutes doubled down oh we didn't do anything wrong but it was panned from democrats and republicans alike so uh, they they have no credi- credibility with me with leslie stall in that combative interview she had with donald trump uh, talking about the Hunter's laptop and Russian collusion and all that. Oh, it's not real. No, no. actually, you got that entire thing wrong, Leslie. That was, uh, you look stupid now after that interview with Donald Trump. You so rushed they, they, the judge, yeah. and guess what? The same thing happened yep. about Jesse Smollett yep. and Kyle Rittenhouse and Nicholas Sandman, all these folks that, you know, rushed to judge. They all looked like idiots if you just wait a little bit and let the information come out. Um. Are you familiar with The Atlantic, Nige? This is that super, super liberal publication, The Atlantic. So they've got a story out now citing some sociology professor at the University of British Columbia stating that women versus men in sports isn't about body types or testosterone. It's about training and belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Quote, and though sex differences in sports show advantages for men, researchers today still don't know how much of this to attribute to biological differences versus the lack of support provided to women athletes to reach their highest potential. So basically, this 
report says women could be on the same level of professional <laughs> athlete men if they would just do the same training and believed in themselves a little bit more. That has nothing to do with biology and the fact that most men are physically and biologically superior in terms of strength. Nope, uh, nope, nope. You're being a sexist now, Nige. You're being a sexist okay. because the sociology professor at the University of British Columbia says those women just need to have more belief in themselves. Hey, that's what the, that's the kind of education you get now. So I, I, I don't have any. I, who am I to disagree with the sociology professor in British Columbia? If they said it, then fine, whatever. So here's what I want. We all saw how bad the Colts were yesterday. I want a group of women who really believe in themselves, who really believe in themselves to march down to 56th Street and demand to play in the NFL right. and have a tryout. They could use the help. Yes. And if listen, I'm telling you right now, if there are NFL owners, baseball owners, basketball owners that thought a woman could help their team right now, they'd sign them without question. But there are differences between men's bodies and women's bodies. As good as Ella Della Don is in the WNBA, is she ready to guard Joel Embiid in the post? I don't think so. Now, I will say she could probably beat our asses. Sure. Though. But we're not at that same level, though. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, if you found like a five foot eleven chubby chick i feel like i could probably beat her in basketball i would like to find i would i want to know when a biological male who identifies as trans or female when are they going to be able to try out for the wnba right we have swimmers do this all the time we had a golfer that's dominating and i i'd like to see the first biological male who's either had hormone treatments or whatever go out and play for the WNBA. They should be open arms and accepting of that. All inclusive, right? And I'm not trying to be sexist. It's the total opposite here. I'm trying to def defend women's sports because women's sports are great, man. It's awesome. I love watching the women compete. My cousin was a professional women's basketball player. Now yeah. she's the head coach at Purdue. Oh, yeah. Um, but women's sports are going to be in danger if you keep letting biological men compete and it doesn't make you a sexist for saying the body types are different and yes there may be some women that could compete uh w against men in certain things no doubt in my mind but as a whole here this story from the atlantic it's bullcrap and they're basically lying to you this social social sociology professor at the university of british columbia lying to you there are major differences in men and women's bodies and this is why no major sports owner has women playing on their teams right now if there were a big strong woman that could block she'd be on an nfl roster if there were a woman that could throw a football and read a defense and do all that kind of stuff she'd play I've seen some of the backup quarterbacks in this league. They're not that great, but there's just such a difference in yeah, men's I've, body I types. I think I've seen some special teams players, some female special teams players on co collegiate uh, programs. Kickers maybe. There was a kicker a for Vanderbilt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was a kicker for Colorado, and it didn't work out. Uh, the Pacers back in the ABA signed Ann Myers yeah. to a deal. Um, but right now, it just it's a lie to say – well, the only difference between men and women is the men have better training and they believe in themselves more. All right. Find me a, you know, female that wants Unreal. to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Quentin Nelson. You know, let's go. Like, I'm here for it.
Until then, let's protect women's sports. All right, coming up next, um, we'll get into this awful, dreadful Colts game. As the uh, commander in Top Gun says, I want some butts. Whose fault is this? Is this Ursay? Is this Reich? Is this Ballard? It's the players. We're going to get into that with Kevin Bowen. Hammer and Nigel. Why? Because I need a... Why? 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 What the hell is the matter with you? On 93 WIBC. I fell into a burning ring of fire. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Kevin Bowen is a radio host at our sister sports station 107.5 the fan he does the morning show kevin and query kb what the hell was that yesterday <laughs> what the hell was that uh. <laughs> yeah that was um you honestly could probably take our conversation the monday after the jacksonville game to end last season yeah. and I probably, <laughs> like you know i probably uttered the phrase like beyond pathetic uh absolutely <laughs> embarrassing one of the worst losses in franchise history and i think all of that would apply to yesterday and, and i would say probably the most worrisome aspect of it all like is this becoming a trend um you know yeah. this is four straight games the colts have had massive things to play for three of those four games being against the laughing stock of the nfl and again you've been thoroughly outplayed for large chunks um, of these, you know, last four games dating back to the final two last season. So, yeah, uh, utterly pathetic and, uh, frankly, very embarrassing. So, at least – so, the final score down in Jacksonville, 24 nothing. At least last week, down in Houston, they were they were down big and they came back and tied it. I mean, they didn't even get near cl- close to the end zone. Uh, anything looking like remotely like they were going to score – and it, it was a wor- – I don't know how you could have had a worse performance than you did in Houston, but somehow they managed to. And, again, that's the response, Nigel, from <laughs> week one. You know, like the response from the awful performance to end the season last year in Jacksonville, simmering on it for eight months, is down 20 to nothing in Houston week one. And then you respond to that with yesterday's performance of being down 24 to nothing – entering the fourth quarter it just you know an eight-year drought of week one losses um and now a seven-year drought of winning in jacksonville like you know where is the urgency from this franchise top down owner on down um from the product that's been on the field here again dating back to last season i think that is what is just adds to the frustration this is not a you know a one-week outlier in week nine you know i chalk it up it's a long season you know last year buffalo they lost to jacksonville well yeah and they also won a lot of great games um this is now a trend and it's been a streak of four of these and that to me if i'm jim ursay uh would have me irate are jobs in danger here kb and we talked about this uh last week in regards to the houston game nige and i talked about this on the air all of the problems that us fans were bringing up in the offseason the lack of wide receiver depth the tight ends the left tackle all of those situations were basically ignored and here we are two weeks in those are major problems for this franchise so when you factor that in Plus, the decision-making, the lack of preparation that we've seen on the field, are jobs in danger here? Yeah, I, I think the seat has to be warm. I, I, I don't know how it's not. And I'd say the seat's for Chris Bauer and Frank Reich. Now, knowing Jim Irsay and just you know, maybe a little bit of kind of how he's operated, I think the leash is pretty long with this duo. 
um, which I, I would disagree with. I, not to take you down a cheesy analogy, but uh, you know the old seat warmers we we have in our cars nowadays. Right. Uh, you know, I, I I felt like entering the year the seat warmer should have been on, like it should have at least been on for this GM and this head coach. Now I feel like it should be full blast, like it's negative ten degrees in in January, February. Like it, it should be a really hot seat. Uh, but like I just said, I I don't know if the owner feels that. You know, I don't know how much of your listening often uh, audience realizes this. But Jim Irsay extended. Frank Wright and Chris Ballard last August for really nothing of substance from a win-loss division title playoff success standpoint. They hadn't won a division title, had won one playoff game, and yet he found it you know, worthy enough to extend them, I think through like 2025 or 2026. I remember seeing that being like, what? You know, like, Since when do these extensions come from like average to slightly above average results? Because that's what the resume had been to that point, and it's really stayed the same since then so um yeah we'll, we'll see how the owner operates but um again it, it to me um some accountability some public accountability would be well served though so is this so kevin bowen from the fan here on the hammer nigel show talking about that horrible colts loss is this because i feel like the expectations are pretty high for the colts coming in in the season and uh, everybody's pretty high on this team but is this team just is it does it come down to coaching or is maybe this just a bad team all around big picture yeah that's a great question and one that you know i'm trying to kind of grasp i'd say the beauty of it and i'm sure i've uttered this phrase to you guys um god bless the afc south <laughs> no one is going <laughs> to run away with this division uh you know people are saying well you know can the colts win 10 i'm like well is anybody in the afc south going to win nine eight you know, I mean, I, I think it's that division. So you're always, I think, going to be within striking distance. And I, I guess I shouldn't say always. But you know, for the next few weeks, months, you, you should be within somewhat striking distance. Having said that, if you were going to tell me to rank, like, the 17 games on the schedule at the start of the year and rank them 1-17 to 17 in terms of the easiness, I would have put these two, especially for road games, very close to the top of the list. Um, and, and so I think that is what kind of adds to it is you're about to enter a stretch. Kansas City, Tennessee, and at Denver on a short week. That might be the hardest three-game stretch all season. Um, so I guess that's where you're kind of worried. Is Sure, the Colts have dug out of holes before under Frank Reich. But again, you've been outplayed thoroughly in seven of eight quarters this season against, bad fo- against two bad football teams. And now your schedule on paper is going to get a lot tougher. You bring up a great point with that AFC South. If Buffalo takes care of business at home tonight and they beat the Tennessee Titans, the Colts are only one game out and they haven't had a home game yet. I guess that's the glass half full here because only one team in the division will have a win if the Titans lose tonight after two weeks. That's unbelievable to me. You know, again, if you if you know listeners believe in prayer, maybe slide in the AFC <laughs> uh, You know, after dinner, at the end of the dinner prayer tonight, or before bed, it's it's a joke of of a division. Hammer, you can probably appreciate this. Every year during March Madness, I'm always scrambling to find where True TV is on my TV guide. <laughs> right? I always have these games on True TV. I feel like the AFC South should be on True TV. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, Take them off CBS, put them on True TV, and it, you know, <laughs> I laugh, and it's a joke, but at the end of the day, the winner of the division still gets a home playoff game. So, right. you know, one of these teams is going to host a home playoff game, and like you said, if Tennessee loses tonight to Buffalo, 
you will have had two intra-division games already this season, and yet the division has combined for one win. That's really hard to do. Impractical Jokers, March Madness, and coming soon, the <laughs> AFC South. That's the entire lineup of True TV. Um, let's talk about this receiving core. Now, I get it. Your two best receivers were out yesterday. And there's a lot of teams that would probably struggle if their two best receivers were out. But the lack of depth on this team, this was a big problem Last year, it was a big storyline in the offseason. And yesterday, you look at Paris Campbell, zero catches, two attempts, a boneheaded penalty. Maybe I'm just the fan coming out here, uh, KB, but you're going to tell me that T.Y. Hilton couldn't have at least caught a pass yesterday. I bet he would have at least caught one pass. That's more than the speed burner that is Paris Campbell we saw yesterday. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think listeners of our show know full well. I've been clamoring for uh, bolstering of the whiteout group, frankly, ever since February, March. Chris Howard and I have had a few interesting moments in press conferences about that. And T.Y. is a guy that, you know, to use a golf analogy, I don't feel like he was walking up the 18th hole last year. You know, was he on 15 or 16? Sure. But, again, he would make me sleep better at night than what this group has. Um, Like you said, Paris Campbell uh, did not show up in the box score for the first three quarters. He showed up in the fourth quarter, and his first time he showed up was an offensive pass interference penalty. Like th- that's where you're at right now with this wideout group. It doesn't have any huge drop. Mike Strawn uh, had a, you know, a big penalty in the first half as well. Um, Michael Pittman, to me, entering the season was the most indispensable player on this football team. Not the best, but the most indispensable. A guy you just couldn't afford to lose because, similar to Carson Wentz, frankly, you just didn't support Matt Ryan. You know, someone called into our show earlier today and were like, you see what Carson Wentz did to the Jaguars last week? Well, yeah, and I also can acknowledge, do you see who Carson Wentz is throwing to? I mean, if you looked at his group, it's a much better, more potent pass-catching group than what Matt Ryan has here in Indianapolis. You do tell me he doesn't have Desmond. He's not passing to Desmond Patton. (laughs) Like Yesterday, I was was like, wait, who are some of these guys? I know Hammer said that, you know, two of the the starting receivers were were out, but I was like, man, just throw it to Hines. You know, Hines was lining up a receiver, wasn't he? Right, and the usage of Hines, I think, was a mystery. I felt like they got yeah. away from that. Their, their, their best drive was the opening drive. Yes. They involved Hines. They got into Jacksonville territory and then went away from them. So um, stubbornness from the GM. Um, he's looked at wide out in a very, I think, antiquated view and a very 1980 view of the wide receiver position. And in today's NFL, if you don't have dynamic talent at the pass-catching spots, and I say pass-catching because I'll throw a tight end in there as well, you're going to get exposed, uh, and the Colts have been exposed here to start this season. What do you got coming up in terms of Colts coverage, KB? Well, we're certainly measuring the old hot seat. Um, and, and, again, the home opener is this Sunday. The line, I, I'm sure you've already been on it, has jumped to six and a half. Patrick Mahomes' first time playing inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, so I am going to go out on a limb and say there are some Colts season ticket members that have looked at that and say, boom, let's sell these tickets to some red and yellow fans and try and make up the old season ticket package that we purchased. Dude, they're going to bring a big group yeah. here to Indy. Those Chiefs fans, man, they travel. Huge. And, you know, we see this a little bit with the Pacers. Like, you know, the diehard little kids that are Patrick Mahomes fans that live in, you know, I, I don't know, Louisville or St. Louis or somewhere like that, they might want to drive over here to watch, you know, their their, their favorite player. I feel like that's like the Steph Curry syndrome i get there's a little bit more of an nfl midwest flair than the, than the nba but um that that's the next meter i think on jim Irsay's 
you know, venom is if you embarrass him inside of that building of Lucas Oil, that is what could do could get him to do some things that I don't think he currently will be doing. I was told we were all chips in, Kevin. I was told all chips, all chips in, and uh, yeah. I don't think we got there yesterday. All right, KB, part of the Kevin and Query Show, 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, thank you. Yep, thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You set him up, and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Hammer and Nigel presents booze news, booze news. Yeah. Yeah. And we have an entire hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 6 o'clock. If you missed the disastrous interview uh, on 60 Minutes with Joe Biden, we'll have more clips of that on the way. Right now, Hammer kind of has to do with uh, some NFL football. Awful game we witnessed uh, down in Jacksonville. Colts lose 24 to nothing. Went all the way down there and laid a big old goose egg. Uh, Booze news. Most expensive beer in NFL stadiums. Got a list for you here. Can I guess to see if I know what number one is? Because I don't have the list in front of me here. I'm going to say Las Vegas, the Raiders, because mm. they're trying to pay off that new stadium, and damn, everything is expensive in Vegas. Um, no, and I would have said, if I, I had the list here, I would have said the Rams. Um, but it's Philadelphia. The pri- uh, There's a new report ranked every NFL stadium by price of beer, right? Fans pay the most for a 16-ounce beer in Philly. And they pay the least in Detroit, Atlanta, and New York Jets games. So $15 for a 16-ounce uh, uh, ounces of beer. Around the same for the Indianapolis Colts, by the way. Lucas Oil, you're paying around that same price. I mean, a dollar an ounce, basically. So basically, for every yeah. punt the Colts are doing, <laughs> you're probably paying yeah. a little bit for that. Uh, Need some beers to get through these Colts games. Uh, so, yeah, the, the priciest beers in Philly, Eagles fans fork over like 15 bucks for 16 ounces. That's like supply um, and demand, though, in Philly, right? Yeah, they could right. probably charge 25 bucks <laughs> a beer, and they're still going to sell a ton because it's Philly. Uh, the L.A. teams, the Rams and Chargers, close second, followed by the Las Vegas Raiders that you mentioned. Uh, 49ers, New Orleans Saints, and the Jacksonville Jaguars all have super expensive beers. Why are the Jags charging that much? Like, I get those other cities, you know, but the Jags, really? All other teams pay around $11 for one beer. Like I said, it's a little, the Colts is a little higher. It's more up, up in tune with those other teams that I just mentioned. The Lions and the Falcons and the Jets and even the Bengals are the only teams with beers under seven bucks. So you can get two for one compared to the price here yeah. in Indianapolis if you just go down to Cincinnati or de- go up to Detroit. And I promise you, speaking from the heart, I told you young text yesterday, I wasn't going to start drinking. I wasn't going to drink yesterday. The, your weight loss has kind of inspired me. I know I'm going to get rid of some of those empty calories. And I'd like, Lindsay, hold me accountable. No beer. My wife and I, but then that first interception and it happened uh, with Matt Ryan. I went straight to the beer fridge, cracked one open, had a fireball back, just, just destroyed my plans for that. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.